speak to the silence of my heart 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 and I will wait for you I will wait for
being disciples of Jesus. We learn the truth, and we grow in faith, and then we serve. We serve each other, and we serve the world around us. And so I trust that you uh, believe that you are not here by accident, but by divine appointment. And we've all come from different places, different experiences this week, but yet we have the opportunity to worship the Lord together. And to worship him through music, which we're going to do in just a minute, to worship him by opening his word and praying together and enjoying some time of fellowship. And so I would just ask right now that uh, no matter where you are in your mind, in your heart, wherever you are in your journey with Jesus, realize that this is a special place because uh, Jesus is with us as believers. He indwells us and he desires that we would bring our offering of praise to him And so what I'd like to do now is read from his word as our call to worship. And reading from his word to do that helps us to set our mind and to set our hearts right, uh, that we would give him all the attention uh, that he is due, because he is the Lord of heaven and earth, but he is also the God who loves us, and he is the lover of our souls. That's something. So let that sink in. I want to read to you from uh, all the way back from the book of Exodus. 
right after God, through Moses, rescued the Hebrew people from slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh. It says that Moses and all the people of Israel sang a song to the Lord. So in response to God's goodness and his grace, in response to God rescuing them from danger and from oppression, in response to God setting them free, they sang a song. Trust that that's what we'll do this morning. In response to the freedom that we have in Jesus, that we will sing praises to him. But here is part of the words, <clears throat> excuse me, of the song that they sang. It says, Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, singing, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is his name. It goes on to say, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You have stretched out your right hand. Let us praise him this morning. He has stretched out his righteous right hand, and he has done that for us. Elsewhere in scripture, it says that he upholds us with his righteous right hand. So even after salvation for the rest of our lives, the Lord God keeps his righteous right hand stretched out for us to lead us and to guide us always in compassionate love. Amen? Let's stand together and pray and enter into a time of worship. Father, how grateful we are, each and every one of us, before you now collectively, we have gathered in this place to give you thanks. And so we say thank you. Our desire is to have an attitude of gratitude in our hearts. That Lord, as we enter into a time of worship through music and song, that the, the sound of the music playing, the instruments, the voices that we hear, that that it would stir in us, yes, our emotions and, and our connection to you through the Holy Spirit, that we would be in our souls, Lord, drawn to you, laying everything else aside. But Father, also the words that we sing, Lord, these words of truth that draw us even closer to you in, in mind and that we remember and recognize the truth, the truth of who you are, and the truth about who we are to you, your children, your sons and daughters. Lord, may we just stand in awe of that, and may we just bask in the glory of being called your children. So Lord, this time of worship through music is for you. We know that even in the midst of our singing, you will bless us, but Lord, we have come not to be blessed, but to bless and to honor you. So we give this over to you now. And we do so in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Church, let's lift our voices together and worship him.
streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above praise the mount I'm fixed upon it mount of
hearts above Here's my heart, Lord Take and seal it Seal it for thy courts above I love you
Hallelujah. We give him praise in this place this morning. Love you, Father God. How grateful we are for this opportunity, Lord. Your name is holy, and your name is mighty, and yours is the only name that we praise and worship. Father God, Lord, thank you for being here with us. Holy Spirit, thank you for leading us in worship this morning. We continue to praise you and honor you. And we do it for the glory of the Father, but in the name that matchless name of Jesus Christ. We all said amen, amen. Say good morning to somebody next to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. If we can uh, make our way back to our seats, it's so good to see all of you. And uh, we're blessed to have uh, our Trinity kids down the hall. We're so grateful that we have a ministry that uh, ministers to the next generation. And so we're grateful for that. And I love to see all of the fellowship. Remember that we have our, our um, coffee and breakfast fellowship before the service. That starts at 945. So please uh, uh, take advantage of that if you can to get some uh, fellowship early on. But then, of course, after our service, we always have that opportunity as well. Again, it is good to see all of you. Uh, I just want to get us caught up on a few things. We call this church life, uh, where we just make sure that we're sort of on the same page about everything. But just remember that uh, all of the, the, uh, the events and the things that are happening at, um, at Trinity are up on our website, trinityallenwood.com. You can go there and just go to the events page, resources, you can see everything on there. As we've been going through our new um, series, the uh, Discipleship Pathway Initiative that we launched a few weeks ago, all of that information is up there as well. And you should have been handed a card when you walked in today. If you don't have a card that says get baptized on it, don't worry, I'm not baptizing everybody today. It's okay, don't worry about it. That's right. That's next week. Everybody comes in. 
No, I'm just joking. If you don't have one of these, raise your hand and Kim will bring it to you. Be good to have it. Okay. We have one card for uh, every week. So every week you'll be handed a different card. And in the last couple of weeks, uh, we also were handing out uh, and making available to you the brochure, the glossy brochure that um, says Discipleship Pathway on it. It's got the actual map of the pathway and some more instructions. But all of that information is also on our website. But we have plenty of those printed resources and materials as well, so you can keep that with you, stick it in your Bible. You can hand them out to people as you meet them and invite them to church that can let them know what's going on, that this whole uh, fall season that we are focusing on discipleship and have uh, started uh, using this new tool, this initiative we call it Discipleship Pathway, to help us refocus and sort of uh, a reboot in a way to make sure that we are focused on what Jesus has called us to in the Great Commission, that we are to go and, um, and baptize, right? And that's a big part of what it is that we do as a church. Uh, and so um, that's uh, one of the steps, one of the stepping stones on the pathway of being a disciple, and that's the one we're focusing on today, is baptism. And so uh, we want to make sure that uh, as we go through this pathway together, and each week as we unpack each of the, the 12 steps of being a, um, a disciple, we understand that all of these things are gleaned right from Scripture. As Jesus himself and the Apostle Paul and the other uh, writers of the, uh, the letters in Scripture uh, tell us what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. So that's what we're doing uh, this fall season together, and today we're focusing on getting baptized. But just a few things uh, to note, and uh, you, again, these are found on our website, um, but we have our life recovery group every Sunday morning from 9 to 10, 15. It meets down the hall in the conference room, and that is a Christ-centered, Bible-based um, program, and it's a study where uh, that group gets together uh, to discover and perhaps rediscover how it is that God helps us uh, in the midst of any problem that we might have, no matter what it is. And so that is a group, the Life Recovery Group, is for everybody. So no matter what it is that you've struggled with in the past or you're still holding on to or dealing with, that group is for you. So take advantage of that. It's an awesome opportunity to dig into God's word and see how it is that he promises and provides hope in the midst of any struggle. Amen. We also have our Dig Deeper uh, Sunday School uh, class that just uh, started actually today. And uh, um, that class is going through a new book that was just released called Another Gospel? Question mark. And it is a study and look at the trend of uh, what's called progressive Christianity uh, in evangelicalism today, and it looks at um, different topics that we should all be aware of. And so that is um, that is every Sunday from 9.30 to 10.15. So I would uh, encourage you to uh, become part of that. And uh, there was a large group down there already today. We praise the Lord. But you can join that group at any time. The resources will be available uh, to you this week. And then, of course, if you show up next week, you'll have that book available to you in the study guide. So uh, take advantage of that. That is our part of our Dig Deeper uh, Sunday morning uh, gathering called uh, Another Gospel, right? That's the look at that. We have our Wednesday evening service. Uh, that is from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. every Wednesday. And then after that, we have our prayer gathering. So it's just a one-hour service 
uh, where we, uh, we take communion together and we worship and we have uh, a devotional um, study and message. Uh, we're going through this uh, a booklet that we've created uh, about grace because grace um, is woven through uh, every area of the life of a disciple. Uh, every Christian needs to understand the nature and the purpose and the place of grace in the life of a Christian. Yes, we know and believe the truth that we are saved by grace through faith, but grace doesn't end there. It only begins there. Amen? So we need to understand how we live out and live with and live through the grace of God each and every day as being a follower of Jesus. And so we're doing that on Wednesday nights. There's also a Trinity Kids program on Wednesday evenings from 6.30 to 7.30. And then we ask, if you can, that you would stay after that for our uh, prayer gathering down the hall. And so we've been uh, appreciating that. That's just another opportunity to get together right in the middle of the week to kind of be refueled and refreshed with the Word of God. We have a work day coming up on October 15th. And uh, is that next Saturday? Am I right on that? I think that is, right? And so October 15th. And so you'll get a reminder this week, but uh, please make sure if you can come and join us, even if it's for, it's for an hour or two. But Saturday morning, we're getting together to do a lot of work around here. Uh, just so thankful for the resources we have and all that God has blessed us with. We're going to do a lot of outside work and some planting in the front, uh, so come and be ready. But we have lots of things that we can do inside as well, kind of like a, a fall cleaning and fixing some things and checking some things out and do a lot of uh, planting in the fall. And so um, uh, please uh, come out and help us with that. That is next Saturday the 15th. Uh, on uh, the 22nd, uh, the following Saturday, we have our next outreach. Uh, every month, our missions team tries to create an opportunity to go reach out to the community. And so uh, on October 22nd, we'll be going, uh, taking the train in together to uh, Penn Station, Newark. And uh, there is, uh, unfortunately, and many of you probably know this, but there is a large a population of people that struggle with homelessness and severe poverty that uh, that live and just a lot of them live on the streets right there outside of Penn Station. So we're going to be bringing a lot of blessing bags and of course, most importantly, the hope of the Lord Jesus with us, uh, being able to just uh, engage and hear some stories and uh, get to know some people, share your story uh, in Jesus Christ and just bring the, the hope of Jesus Christ uh, to that community. So that is on the 22nd. I guess this information is on our website. We are also, a couple more things, we are currently um, collecting coats. It's our annual coat drive to help support the Jersey Shore Rescue Mission. It's one of our mission's uh, partners. And um, so every year we gather some coats for them. And um, it, we're doing that now through uh, Christmas time. And so if you would like to help to, um, to hand out the coats and volunteer, that's actually going to happen at the mission in Asbury Park on November 19th. And so if you're interested, you can just see Andrew and Elizabeth who head up our missions team and uh, we'll send you the link to register so that they know how many people are coming. So we can help donate coats, but also um, if you'd like to serve and volunteer on that day at the rescue mission, uh, just let us know, and we'll help you get signed up for that. And then finally, this is a new announcement, and you'll be hearing more about it in the, in the next couple of weeks, but um, there is a new event uh, that we just kind of solidified this week, but we are going to be doing a combined event with the Allenwood Church. We've done a few of them in the past, and we're going to do a fall harvest party here at Trinity. It's going to be uh, the last weekend of October. It's actually Friday night 
the October 28th and Saturday evening the 29th, but here's how that works. It's not like it's a 24-hour party, okay? For some, maybe it will be. But what we're going to do is this, and again, you get all the details coming up soon, but you can mark your calendars the last weekend of October. It's going to be here. But that Friday night is going to be a men's event. The men from Trinity and the men from Allenwood are going to get together here, and we're going to, um, we're going to do a traditional Hawaiian pig roast. And if any of you have uh, seen that on TV or know what that looks like, you dig a big hole in the ground and, uh, and you bury the pig and then you eat it. Does that sound good? There's a lot more involved because there's cooking that happens, right? But uh, yeah, but what we're going to do is we're going to get together at just the men on that Friday night. We're going to set it all up and dig the hole and, and, uh, and get all that ready and prepared because it's got to cook uh, for like 12 to 14 hours. And so any guy that wants to stay over, we're going to be camping out here that night if you'd like. If not, you can come back the next morning and help us uh, unearth the pig and all of its goodness and get it ready because then that Saturday evening at 5 o'clock on Saturday, October 29th, everybody from both churches can get together and we're going to enjoy a fall harvest party. So there's going to be food and fellowship. There'll be games uh, we'll have music, and uh, we'll have hot apple cider and donuts. We'll have a bonfire out there. Just a good time of fellowship together with some other brothers and sisters who worship down the road from us. And so I think it's a great opportunity, isn't it? It's really good. And so even if you don't like to eat uh, roasted pig or pork, you know, it's all good. There'll be plenty of other food. But it's just another opportunity for us to get together. So the Friday night will be a men's event, men's fellowship, and preparing for the next day. And then Saturday, October 29th, everybody from both churches will gather here and we'll just have a good time of, of fun and fellowship and uh, just um, enjoying each other's company, right? And so, um, so put that on your calendars and be looking for more information um, about that. And uh, we'll definitely need some volunteers. So if you're interested to help out with that, you can let me know, all right? There's so much more to know about Trinity uh, so you can check out our website, trinityallenwood.com. And so what I'd like to do now is I'm going to pray as we open up God's word together and uh, just pray that uh, through his spirit, he illuminates the truth and that we are transformed because of it. Father God, thank you for the truth of your word. As we open it now, Lord, speak to us through it. You have revealed yourself, the God of the universe, to us through your written word. And uh, we can't say thank you enough for it. It is alive, it is active, it pierces us, our hearts, it convicts us, it challenges us, it encourages us, and it gives us hope. So Lord God, as you tell us in Romans 12 that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and no longer conformed to this world, Lord, that's what we want to see happening now as we open the pages of the Holy Scriptures together, that we all would be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the truth of your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this morning, there's going to be a lot of scriptures that we're going to look at and read together. And so I'd like you to open your Bibles or the Bible app on your phone. If you don't have a Bible, there are plenty of Bibles in the, the seat fronts uh, in front of you. Uh, if you would like to just listen, you can do that too, but it's always better, believe, to actually be looking at the words as you hear them read. Uh, but uh, I'll just give you the references and we can follow along. So a lot of page turning today. 
as we uh, dig into the Lord's word together. So you can start at Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. It's the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Uh, And it's a verse that we have read uh, before. And um, it is uh, commonly called and known as the Great Commission. And the reason it's called the Great Commission is because it was one of the last directives that Jesus gave to his disciples, and basically he was telling them, look, I am going away. They didn't quite understand why just yet. He was going back to the Father, and he said, until I come back for you, so he made the promise that he would come back for his followers, us, the church. He said, until I do, this is what I want you to be doing. So when he comes back for us, we want to be found doing what the Master has commissioned us to do, amen? And so here's what he says in Matthew 28, right, verses uh, 18 through 20. And he says, and, and, um, uh, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So first we start with the end there, that great promise, Jesus is always with us. Do you believe that? Right? And so if he gives us instructions, if he gives us a directive, if he gives us commands, he then will help us to fulfill them. He will give us that strength because he says all authority has been given to him. And then he sends us out saying, look, just I will help you do it. He has all the authority and the power. As long as we stay with him and we walk with him and dwell with him, that he will then lead and guide us and give us all the strength and all the courage and all the wisdom that we need to do what he has called us to do. So he said, go and make disciples. So our command is to make disciples. So of course you have to be a disciple to make a disciple of Jesus. So we are to be disciples who are making disciples, right? It's not just the church that does it. It's not the just the pastor and the leaders of the church. It's all of us, every single believer, is to be growing as a follower of Jesus, a disciple. It's what we are called to do, right? It is that mission, should we accept it, right? As believers, to say, now do we want to get serious and follow him? And if we do so, this is what we are to do. Baptize them which means we are sharing the gospel and people are coming to faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ as Savior and him alone. And then they are baptized. See, back then, of course, they understood it to be together, that if you are a believer, you would become baptized. So when he says baptizing them, it doesn't mean baptizing them so that they can be a believer. It doesn't work that way. It's the opposite. It is a believer who is then baptized. So when he says baptize them, what it means is that We are to share the gospel, proclaim the good news of Jesus, because then there are those who would be baptized, true believers in the uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. But then we are to teach them to observe all that he has commanded them, right? So we are to go, doing what? Teaching them and baptizing them. So teaching, but he says to teach them to observe. Some of your your versions might say obey, 
So we are not just to learn what Jesus commanded the disciples. It's not just gaining a wealth of information and knowledge. He says, teach them to obey, to observe everything I've commanded you. See, that's the part of discipleship. That's what it looks like, the crux of being a follower of Jesus, that we learn the truth, but then we have to grow in it and actually do it. Is it not James that says we are to be doers of the word and not just hearers only? So Jesus says, he doesn't say just go and learn everything. He says, teach them to obey everything I've taught you. So first, teach them, and then teach them to obey. You see that? First you learn, then you grow. And then the outpouring and the outflowing of that learning and growing is to serve. And so this is our main text for today and for our entire series on the discipleship pathway, that we are to be disciples who are making disciples. But that one word that's in there is what we're focusing on today when he says baptizing them. And this is to happen everywhere because he says do it in all nations. It is to be an ongoing process in the life of the church. So let's talk about baptism today. Baptism is a symbolic, public, and outward expression of a transformation that's already happened in our hearts. After we have put our trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sin, baptism is a great next step. Now, in our discipleship pathway, as I've mentioned before, it is not linear. You don't have to do this. We all start at the same point, trust in Jesus for salvation. But after that, it can look different how we address and give attention to the other steps and points of being a disciple. But getting baptized is a key element of that. But do you know, statistically, many true believers who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ have never been baptized for many different reasons. My guess is mostly because they do not understand the nature and the purpose and even the reason to get baptized. Well, that's what we're talking about today. So perhaps if you are here this morning with us and you are a believer and you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sin, and you have not been baptized, perhaps the Holy Spirit will convict you. Or perhaps at the very least, you will have some additional questions after we look at it today and unpack it, and you'll want to talk to me about it. And that has been my prayer, that if you have not yet been baptized and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that you would see it is a command of the Lord Jesus and there are many reasons, in addition to that being a command, that we are to be baptized. So let's talk about that. It is important to remember, of course, that baptism is not a requirement for salvation. Salvation happens first. There's only ever one condition to be saved. Over and over again, over 150 times in the New Testament alone. Whenever it talks about salvation, meaning eternal salvation, it always gives one condition, and that is faith. We receive the free gift of salvation in Christ by faith. Ephesians 2, uh, 8 and 9 tell us that. That we are saved by grace. It's God's grace because he did it all. And we are saved by grace through faith. We receive it by faith. The one condition for salvation. So baptism then, what is it? It's an illustration of how our sins have been washed away. 
Immersion in water represents our renewal and cleansing through what Jesus did on the cross. It also pictures the death of our old self and how we are raised to new life in him. Following the order of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Now, Christian baptism is one of two ordinances that Jesus instituted for the church. He said we are to be baptized, baptize others, and we are to take communion together, the Lord's Supper. That's when we take the bread, represents his body, and we take the cup of the juice that represents his blood shed for us. Jesus gave two commandments to the church, two ordinances we call them, baptism and communion. And those are two important parts of being the church that we are to do those regularly in remembrance of him and what he has done for us. So baptism is one of them. As we read, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. So it's important to the Lord Jesus, so it should be important to us. When we are saved, we are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, and that is the church. So when we are physically baptized by immersion in water before other people as a public testimony, symbolically displaying a change, a transformation that has already happened in our heart, it is a way that we identify with Jesus Christ publicly and with all other believers. It's an identifying mark. It is a way to say to everybody involved and publicly proclaiming, I align myself, I identify with Jesus Christ. He is my Savior and my Lord. And it's a way that we can publicly commit to him and say, I have believed in the Lord Jesus for salvation, and I am committing to follow him all of my days as a disciple. Now, some days we do better than others. But it's a commitment to be a growing disciple until he returns. It's pretty simple in that sense. So water baptism is an outward sign. It's a public display and sign of testimony of a change that has already happened in our hearts. It is an illustration, a dramatic illustration, through being buried under the water and coming back out of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it also illustrates in that moment, in that symbolic um, baptism of being under the water and being brought back out, what else does it symbolize? It symbolizes in very dramatic style our death to sin and our new life in Christ spiritually. And we then are committing publicly that it is our desire to follow the footsteps of Jesus, the pathway of being a disciple each and every day until he returns. So according to scripture, a new believer in Jesus Christ should desire to be baptized as soon as possible. And we're going to look at some scriptures that make that very clear. So what does the word of God say about baptism? So we looked at Matthew 28. Turn back in the Gospel of Matthew to Matthew chapter 3. I'll give you a minute or two to get there. Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 through 17. So some additional scriptures we'll just go through briefly. 
It's important to look at it and see what the Word of God says about it. Some other scriptures in addition to the few I've already mentioned. Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 through 17. And here is what it says. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. And this is John the Baptist. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not even fit to remove his sandals. He, meaning Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And look what happens next. Then, this is verse 13, Jesus arrives from Galilee at the Jordan River, coming to John the Baptist to be baptized by him. Here is Jesus being baptized. Did you know that Jesus himself was baptized? Verse 14, but John the Baptist tried to prevent him saying, I have need to be baptized by you, Jesus, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering him said, permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up, because Jesus was baptized in water in the Jordan. He came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and, and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What a beautiful picture. Jesus modeled baptism for us. He doesn't just say, go and do this. He says, I'm going to give you the, 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 um, uh, the ability to do these things as a church, but he also modeled it for us. We have a great and beautiful Savior. Jesus himself was baptized. Even John the Baptist was like, there's no way I'm baptizing you. It's got to be the other way around. Jesus said, we're going to permit this for now because Jesus, in essence, was modeling this, exemplifying it for us and for his believers. Jesus was baptized. And then, of course, we see God's blessing and God's heart for that event. And he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. What a great way to start his ministry. Now let's turn to Acts chapter 8. So we're going to go a little bit further into the New Testament. Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 26 to 38. It's up on the screen for you as well, but it's, it's great to be able to turn in your Bible, see where that is, Acts chapter 8, 26 to 38. Here is what it says. And this is an amazing story of a man who puts his faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of his sin, and then he is immediately baptized. Listen to this awesome story. So Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 38. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and he went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So he was reading from what we now know as the Old Testament. He's reading from the scrolls, the word of the prophet Isaiah. Verse 29, then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. 
You see what's happening? The Holy Spirit is prompting and moving Philip, right? One of the disciples to go and do this. And so when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, it's a good idea to do it. So verse 30, Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. This is from Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. That's the passage of Isaiah that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading sitting in the chariot. So verse 34, the eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me, of whom does the prophet say these things? Wow, isn't that awesome? He's just like, wait, I, this looks true to me. Who is this talking about? Is it of himself or someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He believed. And he ordered the chariot to stop. They both went down to the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. Do you see that? The Ethiopian eunuch became a believer and convicted of the Holy Spirit. He says, I need to get baptized. We're going to make this public. And Philip's like, right on, man, let's go. Let's do it. And they found the water, and they went and got baptized, and he got baptized. A beautiful picture. He gets saved, and then he's baptized. There was no in-between. There wasn't waiting to learn some stuff and to learn more and become more mature in the faith. It wasn't necessary because baptism is very simply that public display and testimony of that transformation that has happened. And the Ethiopian eunuch believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. He believed that he was the Son of God and all that Jesus taught is inherent in that. And he says, I need to get baptized. Go a little bit further in the book of Acts to chapter 16. So turn a few pages. Acts chapter 16. And this is verses 25 to 33. Acts chapter 16, verses 25 to 33. Another amazing story where we see a person uh, being saved by faith and then immediately getting baptized. Acts 16, 25 to 33. So about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. So Paul and Silas were in jail. And suddenly there came a greater, a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were fastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped. You see what's happening? Let me pause for a second. It was the responsibility of the prison guard to make sure nobody escaped. And if they did, he would be killed himself. So he's about to kill himself because he thought they escaped. Verse 28, but Paul cried out in a loud voice saying, don't harm yourself, we're all here, we're all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, 
The jailer fell down before Paul and Silas, and after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? See, he just saw this amazing miracle of God freeing Paul and Silas from prison with the great earthquake, and he recognizes that it was the God that they had been preaching about. He says, what do I have to do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and all your household. Meaning if everybody else in the household believes as well, you'll all be saved. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. See, wow, they came to faith, and immediately they start growing by reading the word of God. They're hearing the word of God preached to them. Verse 33, he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. They became believers. They started to hear the word of God, and it says that very hour of the night he baptized them. Turn into Romans chapter 6. It's the next book over of Acts and the Romans. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. This will help us to understand even deeper what baptism really looks like. Romans 6, 1 to 4. Here's what it says. This is the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Romans. Paul is saying, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase. He's saying we've been saved by grace, so we can just stand and do whatever we want because then there's more grace? No. Verse two, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? You see the case Paul is making? He's like, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, why would you wanna keep on sinning? We know we do because we're not yet perfected, but he's saying, why would you want to? Even if in a warped way you think, our sin brings more of God's grace and forgiveness, so I'm going to keep on sinning, sinning to do that. He's like, no, may it never be. Then he says, why would you want that? Why would you even want to do that? Verse 3, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? See, this is the spiritual significance and meaning of our baptism. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. See that? So when a believer is baptized, right, and dunked in the water, like under the water comes back up, it's a great symbolism and has such significance of our being dead to sin but alive in Christ because Jesus died and was buried and came back to life. Spiritually speaking, we are too. We are connected through Jesus Christ, death and resurrection, through that baptism. A spirit baptism at the moment of belief, but then Jesus says, do it publicly, symbolically. What has already happened, your baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have been changed from death to life, from darkness to light. He says, now make a public declaration of it. Elsewhere he says, if you love me, you'll obey me. It's a command of the Lord Jesus. Two more passages, Galatians 3, 26 to 27, just these two verses. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 27. Another uh, letter penned by the Apostle Paul. He says in these two verses, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 
For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. We've been baptized into Jesus Christ. And so therefore, we have this new spiritual clothing. Again, we have been made alive through Jesus Christ because he died and rose again. See the importance of the resurrection? Now, if one of you comes to me and says, I want to be baptized, and next week we come up here and we have our baptismal, right? And I say, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I baptize you, and I put you under, and I leave you under and walk away. That wouldn't be too good. Mostly not for you. It's only half the story. See, we go under the water, symbolizing that full immersion, that we are buried as Christ was. Our sin is then buried, blotted out as far as the east is from the west, God says. But then... We come back up and the water's dripping down. And the idea is we have then been raised to life because Jesus rose again on the third day. That's the symbolism. And one more, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4, just verses 1 to 6. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. It's, it's actually a call to discipleship, like what we're doing, the discipleship pathway. Paul is saying, I implore you. I was a prisoner of the Lord. I'm a prisoner for the Lord. I'm a slave to Jesus. He's imploring us. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And that's salvation. We are called to him. We are baptized in the spirit. Now he says, live it out. Walk it out. That change has already happened in your heart. Let it be known. Make a public display in baptism and then live it out each and every day and let people know why. Verse two, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. I think a lot of us, we need to work on that part, don't we? <laughs> we want to tell other people about Jesus but are we doing it with all humility and gentleness? Are we doing it with patience? And are we being tolerant of one another in love? Tolerance, biblically speaking. He says, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's another great word, in peace. Verse four, there is one body, he's talking about the church here, one body and one spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Paul just loves to use those words and, and, and just be so descriptive in what we are called to be and to do. And he's saying, remember, we are one in Christ. So here's a great passage that talks about another element of baptism, that we do it publicly and it's a way to say that we are not only identifying with Jesus, but we are identifying, look, with everyone else. All other believers, we're part of a family, part of the body of Jesus Christ. We now play a key role in being the church, and we are then given spiritual gifts, which we'll talk about in a few weeks, to bless others and to edify the church. And he's like, we're in this together, and your baptism is a sign of that into one body, one faith, one hope, by one Holy Spirit, 
with one baptism. Do you see that oneness that Paul is talking about? Paul spent so much time focusing on unity. Why? Because as he went around and led others to the Lord and churches were planted, he'd come back around a little while later and all of a sudden there's disunity already. You know that? It's not just churches today that deal with division and disharmony and disunity. It happened in the first generation of Christians because we are all sinners. Saved, yes, but sinners still the same. Sinners that we are not yet perfected. So we still give in to those selfish desires and the things that lead us away from unity to disunity. So Paul spent a lot of time saying, look, we gotta be in this together because Jesus said the world's gonna hate us because it hated him. Now we're identifying with Jesus. So if the world hated Jesus, it stands the reason they're gonna hate us because of our faith because we proclaim being identified with Jesus Christ. So Paul is as if he's saying, look, it's gonna be hard enough because of the world in which we live. And it's gonna get worse and worse, it's gonna get harder. They're gonna come against us more because of our faith. So he says, we have to stick together. But through it all, we have hope. We have that one hope and that one person in Jesus Christ in whom we are baptized by the one Holy Spirit. So no matter what is happening around us, church, we have hope. We say amen to that? We are people of hope. The world desperately needs hope. And God's design is to bring hope to the world through his church because we represent Jesus Christ. We proclaim that truth of the gospel, right? That we are offered freedom. Freedom and eternal life through Jesus Christ. And in him alone, no other God, no other religion, no other faith system. But we need each other to be able to do that, to stand strong so that we can represent him well in this world. So let me end the few words here. Simple question. Why then, after we look at these scriptures, should a Christian be baptized? I think it's a valid question. Why get baptized? The card that was handed out to you, it says, get baptized. Get baptized, right? It says, get baptized. So why? I'll give you six reasons. There's more, six reasons. Baptism is a command of Jesus. It's a part of his great commission to the church. Go and make disciples, baptizing them. So we should be baptized as believers like that Ethiopian eunuch. We believe we get baptized. It's a command of Jesus. It's a vital part of the Christian discipleship process. It's an important ongoing practice of the church. So number one, it's a command by Jesus Christ. That should be enough for us, shouldn't it? Number two, baptism is an act of obedience to Jesus. Then, If he commanded it, then when we get baptized as a believer, it means that we are being obedient to him. Christ calls us to baptism. He set the example by being baptized himself. So neglecting to be baptized is then, in essence, disobedience to the command of Christ. It's commanded by Jesus. It's an act of then obedience to be baptized. Baptism is also an outward expression of our saving faith. It represents our salvation experience. We are called to be baptized to live out our faith publicly. We talk a lot about the private part of our faith, which is so important, how we read the word and we pray and we connect with Jesus individually. 
but as the body of Christ. You know, we are to be public about our faith. We all might do it differently because we all look differently. We have different personalities, different strengths and weaknesses. But it's not just if you've been given the gift or the calling of an evangelist, every single believer in Jesus is to tell others about Jesus. I've said this before, but the old saying goes, by an old theologian, it says this, we are just beggars showing other beggars where to find the bread. We are beggars who have already found the bread of life, and we're just going around showing other beggars where to find that bread. You know, years ago, my family and I, we worked and we served with a mission to uh, people struggling with homelessness in New York City. And we would take this bus and we'd go into different parts of New York City. It was a converted soup kitchen. We'd hand out soup and bread. But we would have some volunteers who would sit and talk to people as they were eating together, telling them about Jesus. But also the volunteers would go and they'd go around the neighborhood and let them know where to find the bread. But see, also what would happen, which was awesome, as those people that we were ministering to, as they came to faith in Jesus Christ, they would do the same thing. You see, they lived in that community. When some of those, those people, our friends on the streets, became believers in Jesus, it didn't mean automatically they had a house and a car and a family and a job, right? They were still living on the street. But what they did was they would go tell their friends, hey, you know what? Tomorrow the bus is coming and they give out free soup and bread and they're gonna tell you some awesome news. You should check it out. They were just beggars who had found the bread of life and they were telling others in their community, come with me, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna tell you where it is and I'm gonna show you where it is. That's what we do. That's what we are called to do with the gospel of Jesus. As we make it an outward expression of our saving faith through baptism, it is a big part, an important part of our walk with the Lord, our discipleship pathway of telling others who we identify with and why, and then showing them. Before baptism unites us with Christ by identifying us with his death, burial, and resurrection. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, baptism testifies that we identify with him. Number five, baptism represents our death to the old self of sin and our new birth into resurrection, life, and freedom. That's really important to us. It's important to us, an important step that when we are physically baptized, that symbolism runs deep and reminds us, yes, spiritually through Jesus Christ, I am forgiven. I now have the power to say no to sin, that the penalty for my sin has been paid by Jesus Christ. And the power over sin is being taken care of through the Holy Spirit. I now don't have to say yes to sin. I am not a slave to sin anymore. Now I'm a slave to Jesus Christ. And I now have the power through the Holy Spirit to say no to sin. Baptism is a great expression of that. And finally, baptism identifies us with the family of God, the body of Christ. It's a unifying act that shows us, yes, we now belong to Jesus Christ and his people. That's why I always recommend, I encourage people that want to get baptized, invite your friends and family. It's a great opportunity to do that, to have them come out to see this display. Just about everybody understands what kind of happens at baptism, they, that whether you're sprinkled or you're, you're immersed underwater like we believe in what we do here, everybody kind of has a general understanding. But when you invite your friends and family to that event, 
you are proclaiming it not just to the church, the family that knows you, but to other people, people maybe that you're sharing your faith with. You say, look at this is, I mean this, I'm doing this publicly. I have been saved and now I'm letting you all know I identify with Jesus. I now identify with Jesus Christ. It's kind of like, in a silly way, you're a fan of a sports team, you go to the, you go to the stadium, you watch it, and you wear your jersey. Some of you turn on the TV at home, you still put your jersey on, nobody even knows it. That's the kind of fan you are, right? But you go and you go to the stadium or whatever and you're wearing the jersey, it's got the name of the, you know, your, your favorite player on the back. You're a Yankee fan, maybe it says Costanza 00. Some of you get that reference, right? But the idea is like you're identifying with that team. I'm a fan of this team and I'm a fan of this player. That player will probably never know that you're a fan of his, but we still do it. Why? We love that. We love to identify ourselves, right, with this team. Baptism is a way of saying, I'm putting on the jersey now of being a Christian. I identify every day with Jesus Christ and my brothers and sisters in the Lord because I need him. I need, we need each other. We need each other as we stand for the truth of God and his word in this world. And finally, you know what that's so beautiful? Uh, what's so beautiful about that? We're not alone. We're not in this alone. We have each other. And our baptism is a great symbolism of that. So I ask you the simple question, have you been baptized? And if you haven't, and you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, I ask you, why not? If you're interested, come and see me about it. I'll talk to you more about it. We'll go through more scriptures. We can talk about what it looks like here. I'll guide you through it. But through all these scriptures, I think it's clear. It's a command of Jesus. It's an act of obedience to do it. We're not saved because we get baptized, but we get baptized because we're saved. You see, it's a world of difference. But yet it's still an important act of obedience. As I bring this to a close, I wanted to give us an opportunity today to pray. Perhaps through his word, not my words, but through the, his word, you have been convicted. Maybe you've been challenged. Maybe you've just been encouraged because God's been doing some amazing things in your life. I want to give you the opportunity to come and pray. So in just a minute or two, I'm going to ask um, those from our prayer ministry, those of our missions leaders, if they'll come up in just a minute. There's going to be some people standing up here. We're going to have some music playing. And, and uh, if you would like prayer for anything, I'd invite you to stay for a few minutes and come up and get some prayer. No matter what it is, maybe it's prayer for you. Maybe it's prayer for somebody you've been sharing the gospel with. Maybe you have a, a relative who is ill and it's just been really, really on your heart and you just want some prayer. But I would encourage you, you know what? Come up and pray. Ask for prayer for anything. But consider asking for prayer for the courage to stand firm and to stand strong for Jesus. Now, come up and pray for anything. You don't have to pray what I'm asking you to pray for, but just search your heart. We're going to have some music playing, give you the opportunity to do that. But if you, if you can't stay, if you'd rather not stay, it's fine. You can fellowship and, and do your normal thing, and, and you can stay in the back and, and enjoy some extra fellowship, get to talk to some people you've been wanting to talk to. But if you'd like some prayer, some focused and individual personal prayer, then stay, and you can sit for a few minutes and pray about that, and you can come up front. We'll stay up here for a, for a while. But as you are hearing the, the, the music and listening uh, to the words, perhaps the, the Spirit will prompt you as well. 
But we just want to offer that as an opportunity to come up and to pray with some people who love to pray and would love to pray with you, no matter what that's for. So I'm going to do now is I'm just going to close this in prayer to end our service and end our time together. And if you'd like, then you can leave, continue your fellowship. But if you'd like to, to pray, then as our prayer warriors come up, as the music starts, then see anybody that you'd feel comfortable praying with and just let them know what's on your heart. And we would love to pray for you and to pray with you, all right? So let me close our time together in prayer. Father, uh, we are eternally grateful for the gift of life that you have offered us freely through your son, Jesus Christ. We know that way back at the beginning of all things, as we see in your word, that you promised that one day you would bring a redeemer, that you would offer to the world a way to be reconciled to you, no longer through the law or through rituals, but in a way where you do all the work and we simply say thank you by receiving a gift that is offered to us. Lord, we know that it's a free gift to us, but yet we know it wasn't free to you because it cost you everything. It cost you your son, Jesus Christ. It cost him his very life. So Lord, we can't even fathom or truly plumb the depths of the the nature of grace, that unmerited favor that you did all that for us, all that was necessary. And that our response is simply one of faith, of trust, of believing. Believing that Jesus is who he says he is, the very Son of God, the Messiah, and that he did what he said he was going to do. Die on the cross for our sin, our personal sin, and come back to life that we might have the promise of new life as well. We thank you for that truth, Lord. And we can't thank you enough for it. There's nothing that we're more thankful for, individually and as a church, the body of Christ and believers, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God. And Father, I'm asking that if anyone is here this morning that perhaps walked in here and maybe doesn't even know why they're here, why maybe God led them, and they're still seeking after you, looking for answers, looking for that hope that only you can offer, Father God, continue to work on their heart that they would know the truth of your word, how salvation is found, and that gift of eternal life that is secure and is sure and is free for all who would simply believe. Lord God, I pray for those of us who have already put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of our sin. God, that you would continue to work in us as we open your word and as we pray and as we stay connected with you, that we are continually devoted to being transformed by the renewing of our mind, no longer being transformed to the ways of the world. God, help us to do it together. And Father God, I pray that we would all understand just a little bit better the importance of being baptized. Thank you that through the Holy Spirit, at that moment of belief, we are baptized in the Lord Jesus safe and secure forever in our salvation. But Lord, thank you for that command of the church, one of the two that we are, to be baptized, publicly proclaiming our identification with you. Father, continue to move us, to lead us, have mercy on us, Lord. Go before us, Holy Spirit, to prepare the way 
that we may walk in your ways with courage, with determination, with wisdom and discernment, but also, Father God, with joy, with much joy and hope that we can only find in you. I pray these things, Father God, for all of us. I pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. So, prayer warriors, if you would come up, and as we just hear the music again, feel free. You can go and continue to fellowship in the back. But if you would like prayer, come on up. You can come on up and, and just receive some prayer from any one of us. And we would love to spend some time praying with you and for you.
every question is answered in the living name of Jesus. All my healing is answered in the name of Jesus. All deliverance in the name of Jesus. It's all in that name, that name. And blessed assurance. 